Hey, it's just me. Me alone. Ryan and Josh have things to do more important than filming the best baseball podcast ever. Ever, ever, ever. It's hard, you know, putting together this fine, fine program. Um, you know, we 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 have a, we built a website. We set up a Patreon. We even made social media accounts. It is, uh, you know, it's popping. It's pop-a-lopping, man. It's a very, very demanding hobby. But Josh and Ryan, they love their job. So now it's just me and you talking, having a seat, shooting the breeze. I'm going to give you the crumble points. Josh and Ryan, they don't get shit. They're not here in the trenches like I am, like you are. Because I know from all the accounts I've read on modern and historical warfare, the amount of money I have given to the academic field to study all forms of history, all forms of historical events and tragedy, to, you know, whether it's the Gallipoli campaign, to Battle of Kenai, to the Pacific Theater in World War II, to the invasion of Cambodia, to Operation Condor in the 1980s. I understand your pain because you are on par with the numerous victims and refugees in world history by simply sitting here and listening to us bullshit for as long as we do. I feel your pain is what I'm getting at. Um, it's just me today. Um, it's Tom. Hey, how you doing? What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about your cat? I'm thinking about my cat. You think about your money, your bank account, your credit score. Are you thinking about finishing that project out around back, mowing your yard, maybe getting that pool you've always wanted? Are you worried about your health, your blood pressure? Are you on your meds? Are you eating right? Are you drinking your orange juice? Did you have your coffee this morning? Are you wearing clean underwear right now? You don't want to be in a position where your final days on earth are marked by dirty underwear. You want to be wearing clean underwear. How was your day? Mine was okay. Biscuit, want to hear how my day was? You don't care. You just want treats, you little greedy cat. Uh, I went to work and then uh, sat at work. This is the thing I love about American capitalism, folks, is just how much of your time is spent just hanging around waiting for business to show up. I think my job maybe is outside that purview a little bit, but I think I remember reading like a study um, on on bullshit jobs pertaining, um, mainly how most of the labor we generate throughout like an eight-hour day can be done in half that time, which would free up... Uh, us to follow things that give us uh, more fulfilling things that we're passionate about, like doing a baseball podcast with your three friends that aren't here right now, I swear. But we don't do that. Um, I think part of it might be ideological, that if you do afford people that much time away from their job, 
they'll realize how much they hate their job and all the things they can be doing outside of it. It gives them a more, you know, happy, free, uh, meaningful life. Which is why we want to stamp that out. Um, that's why people work eight, nine, ten hours. Why we still have uh, five-day work weeks for people and salary jobs that have you working 50, 60 hours a week. It's not fulfilling. That's the thing. That's the thing with jobs. We have the means. We have the ability to free this up for people so that, you know, you can go be a, I don't, I don't fucking know what people do. Uh, you know, a TikTok stu- superstar or get a fucking penis installed on your chest and play violin or something. I don't, you know, become, I everything sex focused. One of my friends is filming porn right now in New York. And I think that's awesome. He just gets to go up there, hang out for a week, party, and just fill some like femdom stuff. That is so awesome. And I want everyone to be able to have that opportunity. It doesn't have to be that. You just do something less hardcore, like, I don't know, woodworking or something. But I think everyone deserves that. I think everyone deserves that, and we shouldn't means test that. There shouldn't be a meritocracy for that. Like, I've been meditating on that a little bit. My job, you know, as a phone guy, I, we'll talk about baseball eventually, but, like, my job as a phone guy, um, you know, involves a lot of... Um, I guess judging, definitely that. It's a lot of, uh, you know, um, um, casting impressions onto people. You know, someone comes in raggy. You might be like, this guy can't pass a credit check via a phone. Or what is most common is someone comes in, you know, black. Then uh, you'll immediately be like, he's definitely not passing credit check. They most always they pass it the same amount of time as white people. It's just, you know. Inherent racism is a, is a deep virus in all of us. Um, most of my job is that, you know, some old person comes in, I immediately, you know, roll in my eyes. And here comes this lost fucking fish mouth idiot coming in all agape. And they're going to ask me how to fix their email. And it turns out they'll be like, I want to bring five lines over and make you a bunch of money. I'm like, oh, shit. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you have the same experience. Maybe this is how, like, um, how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, the price we pay to have um, some kind of cohesive society, I guess, where things are kind of like meshed together, or better yet, duct taped together. You know, a social contract, right? You know, you devote your labor um, to generate something or sell something, produce something. And then you get those few hours at home where you can sit here talking to a microphone and go to sleep and do it all over again. It's like, I I, I personally find it kind of as um, like an incredibly beautiful form of rebellion that people don't kill themselves in mass because of the system and like while there you know someone could say that there is uh you know part of me sour part of me is like uh you know you're you're uh 
you know, you may you're a puppet that can see your chains, you know, see your see your strings per se. Um, you know, and being complicit in that is uh, just as you know, it's more pathetic than cashing out. I think there is like a certain form of bravery too that um, to be able to like take that level of uh, I don't know, I mean I wouldn't call it like abuse. I mean I'd probably be downplaying it there, but it's you know, it is a dick in the ass. It's an unwanted dick in the ass, let's just be fair. I have to get up early and go to work for X amount of hours a day and come home and then be like, I barely have enough for, you know, rent or, you know, I do have all this, you know, I do have all this money, but if I, you know, whatever things I'll buy it on, I'll never really quite get around to it. I don't know. My current job, though, I mean, it's good. I mean, I get three days off and I wish everyone had that ability or ability, sorry, had that privilege. Uh, you know, you want to you want to see like a mood change in people. Give them a thirty hour work week, you know. And even still, I think it's too much. I don't think people need that. You know, just make up money, make up a price, make up a value, kill capital, go up to Rupert Murdoch's door, and fucking Roblox him. Go up to the go up to Mister Capitalism himself. That would be uh, Chuck E. Cheese. There's no other greater representation, no other better monolith of capitalism than Air Chuck E. Cheese or the Burger King. I don't know. There's a lot of people you have to go through. There's a lot of, you know, Che Guevara, Fidel Castro shit you have to do, but we can get there. We can fucking get there, America. Working sucks. That's it. We got to try and decide if I want to fill like an hour with you guys like 30 minutes i was thinking about reading like a script i'm writing on paul goldschmidt um but i think like it'd be more fun just to, you know talk about the game um astros are winning i uh we we as the worst fans pod stand by our claim that we hate every fucking team in this postseason we like some players like, um, if the Astros won it all, it'd be cool for Dusty Baker to finally get his ring um, as a manager. And uh, if the Phillies won it, um, Bryce Harper gets some hardware. You know, he gets that World Series trophy, gets himself a ring. That'd be cool. Um, it's it's kind of like how baseball always is, really. I mean, you know, you, you root for players. You know, players are the selling point. They're the product. It's not so much like... Uh, you know, the beauty of the game, I feel like, you know, and that's like, that's like an image thing that hockey goes through. Hockey is all about growing the game because it's a very insulated sport, which is why you see players all the time. And like hockey very rarely use um, individual like language, whether it's pronouns, they, they use like the we possessive, you know, it's a team game. They play in shifts. But like when you think of like the impact, you know, a hockey player has, you know, they play an hour, and, you know, their best player may play only a third of it. Um, you know, baseball, to a degree, has lesser impact unless you're a pitcher. Um, you know, if you're a hitter, there's 27 outs. You get to partake, you know, if you're the best guy, maybe in four or five chances at those outs. Um, it's defined by its moments. It's defined by rallies. It's defined by a lot of luck. But, you know, MLB, the product they're growing, it's not so much, I think, uh, 
selling the idea of baseball to someone. What I think it is is uh, selling uh, the products of baseball, which is the players. It's something that's kind of been battled, I think, between you know an older generation and newer one. Uh, these very, uh, I would <laughs> refer these Luddites, I guess, um, where you know you have to respect the integrity of the game because they're trying to sell baseball. They're trying to sell the dream that is baseball. You know those bat flips; they threaten baseball's image. They threaten the ethos of it. You know, pimping a home run, showing emotion whenever you strike a dude out, wearing bright gay cleats, or having a pride night in general. We could make fun of Cardinals Twitter for that. And people take that as like a as a threat to the game compared to, you know, let the kids play, you know, throw the bat around, stare down a dude, which I think is great. I think the game is the game's been around long enough that people, I think, are just kind of genuinely aware of it to where selling the game itself to two kids to teenagers to whatever being like playing baseball is great it's that i think is a losing a losing marketing strategy you know what what makes it so great well we have these cool guys like bryce harper mike trout shohei Atani. so um anyway Astros are winning. Sucks. Bregman hit a homer. I don't like him. Um, I still haven't quite, like, worked out the feelings of it. Um, Like, my own disdain for the Astros. Because, you know, I I save all my hate for... I try to save it all for, like, organization, you know, owners. I don't... You know, I just kind of roll my eyes, you know, if, uh, like, you know, Tommy... Fam slapping Jack Peterson. Like for me to really like hate a player, they have to you know do some Ozuna level of stupid uh, stupid shit. Or Trevor Bauer, he's a prime example. Trevor Bauer. Um, but like Astros just cheated, got caught, and like they just never fucking owned owned up to it. And like the punishments leveraged on them. I mean, I don't know. Like you you know Carlos Beltran paid a price. Still super rich. I don't think they should be stripped of. World Series, or maybe even throwing like an asterisk on us, but I mean, it just feels like something. It just feels it feels like it wasn't enough. Let's just leave it at that. You know, you forfeit some draft picks, whatever. Here they fucking are again in the league championship series. Um, you fire AJ Hinch, and he comes back and manages the Tigers. They Alex Cora gets fired. They hire Ron Renicky. And they're just like, go out there and suck. We don't care. And then they bring back Cora, which I feel bad for Renicky to a degree because, you know, I like to – I would probably – I'm sure he's aware of the situation that he's just there as a placeholder, which has to be frustrating for a guy who's worked his way up, you know, to manage. You know, Renicky had a, you know, a, a stint in Milwaukee. That's good done. Now he gets to come over and do the Red Sox, a pristine organization. And uh, they're like, yeah, you're just a fucking placeholder for Kamala or whatever, whatever Joe Biden is. And then uh, Corey gets his team back. I mean, Renicky probably doesn't hate the money they gave him, but, you know, there's just, there's no shame in it. And I was really kind of bummed. I hate violence to a certain degree. I think violence is cool. Like if you're, you know, as like a form of, you know, political protest, we would call it terrorism, but... You know, um, 
You know, uh, fucking a lady released a bunch of bees on cops to stop an eviction. That fucking ruled. That is awesome violence. Okay. But like, you know, we, I kind of wanted them to get hit a lot, you know, not get hurt, but I kind of wanted year after the Astros to get hit in the ass a lot. I think that, you know, I think it's fair to a point I don't know, probably psychotic, but like I felt like that would have been that would have been nice. That would have been like great. That would have been great storylines. You have like a villain and people trying to exact it, and the Astros still find success. I think it would have been good, but no, Dusty Baker had to have his guys back. Rob Manfred had to say, "Don't throw a hundred mile baseballs at children like Jose Altuve." Who um, you know? Did he finally get a fucking hit today? Altuve did not. He's zero for twenty one. Oh my god. What a what a diminutive little choke artist. This is very funny. Um, I don't know. I have not worked out those feelings yet with him. I will always kind of hate this organization. Um, I feel I don't feel bad that we stole scouting info from them now. The Cardinals should have stole way more. Um, yeah, they should have. I would say steal whatever integrity they have, but uh, they clearly stuck their hand into a black gaping chasm is what it was. So they took the next best thing, which was fucking scouting reports on draft picks. So fuck the Astros. New York always sucks because they're Yankees fans. Every Yankees fan listen to this. First off, put the fucking cheese sandwich down. And uh, second off, um, how's it feel breathing unbreathable air every single fucking day of your life? Um Anyway, welcome. Hi, this is the Cardinals podcast. I know what it. I know it sucks being talked down to from a midwestern, uh, midwesterner, but it must really suck that uh, everyone can listen to me and understand what I'm saying, and we can only get about uh, every fifth word out of your big gaping fucking cheese pizza looking rat face. It must suck for you. Um, I shouldn't be mean. Yankees fans are probably fine. They. They're uh, an organization much like St. Louis. I think organizations, especially baseball ones with like storied history, especially ones built on success, produce some of the most unbearable fan bases. Why I kind of love to make fun of St. Louis fans. It's why we're not the best fans in baseball, which who the fuck crowned us that? They're like, all these players come in and say they love St. Louis fans. I think players say that about different cities all the time. It's just that we decided to make a brand out of it. I don't think it's that true. <laughs> like, like, I don't think it's true for certain players. There's a valor, there's an A-word. But um, I think like the thing that's unbearable about Yankees fans is they have a storied history of success. And so they're, they're – they, the way they judge their team is outside an arena, I think, of reality is what it is. Like, it's always World Series or bust for them, which it's good to have lofty goals. I mean, that's the point of playing the season on it. But, like, they can't, like, just accept that this isn't the 20s, 50s anymore, that now they're kind of a little bit more even. Like, they, you know... This isn't this isn't the dynastic run that they had in the late '90s and the early 2000s. Um, it's hard to win nowadays. There's more teams, um, and 
I get re- I get annoyed when Cardinals fans do this. I get really annoyed when Yankees fans do this and Red Sox fans do this, um, where their amount of kveshing on it, I think, is like an insult to teams with um, fan bases that have labored through years and years and years and years. Like, I don't. I don't take like the Cardinals shortcomings that they've had over the past like few years super super personally. It's something that I get really annoyed with deeply when people like like fire Jeff Albert, fuck John Mozilliak, you know, bring you know, fuck Ollie, fuck you know, even fuck Paul DeYoung, fuck this player, Alan Craig, eat shit, or Mitchell Boggs, throw him off a bridge. Let's just keep rolling through him. Jaime Garcia, you overrated cuck. You suck, you know. I don't – I get rather annoyed because I've seen this team win two World Series in my lifetime, and, like, the Cu- like the Cubs drought killed – like, no one's alive between, like, 1908 and 2006. An entire an entire group of people, an entire, multiple generations of people were born, lived a full life, built another generation, and then fucking died and never even saw, like, the Cubs win it. Like – like, I have a, I have a lot of respect for Cubs fans. I I enjoy them. Um, I enjoy that our rivalry with them doesn't end in a knife fight like the LA Dodgers do with everyone. Um, which is why uh, watching you know hearing our fan base bitch about it, or Yankees fans, or Sox fans, or I guess we'll you know Astros fans once uh, we once we pay enough attention to them, uh, they certainly love attention. Um, like you've seen success, mellow the fuck out a little bit. Like, the Cardinals can become a losing franchise, and while well, that will suck, I will make fun of them. I will question, you know, the abilities of front office execs and think that I, a clearly mentally unstable thirty-one-year-old man in a hotel room who brought his cat is more than qualified to do the job of a GM. Um, I will not uh, have the, 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 the dissociative freakouts and lack of self-awareness that a lot of, that these fan bases I mentioned will have. I, I think it's just kind of, yeah, like Cleveland fans, Guardian fans. I haven't seen shit since, what, the 50s? Like, it's hell for them. Well, maybe not hell. I mean, they live in Cleveland. They, you know, maybe it is hell. Maybe there's it's Dante's what, seventh seventh layer right there. I don't know. Oh, anyway, that's why I hate Yankees fans and Phillies fans. Fuck them. They, they should, you know, they're going to grease up every pole after every single pole. I think the Phillies are going to probably go all the way. <laughs> I think they have the devil magic. They're possessed. Um, fuck Padres fans. We've said this multiple times. They're like diet Dodgers fans. Um, I'm really impressed though with what the Padres did. Uh, I wish Trent Grisham could translate this success to the regular season because I have been really big on him. Um, I it would be I his great speed, great range. Just come on, buddy. Like find that bat. I know hitting's hard. Uh, don't take advice from me. It is really impressive what the Padres have done without Tatis. I really like um, that they have the success without clearly an MVP caliber player and a player that is that they've signed for a million years for you know rest of his career and uh, and have basically said we'll fucking do this without you. 
Um, that would be a good story. It'd be a good redemption arc. Or maybe just like a great like um, arc for like a, like a player that has been, that is so polarizing, whether he's viewed as an anti-hero, a villain, or, uh, you know, a mature reformed veteran in Manny Machado. I can't quite forgive him for the MAGA stuff, but it's whatever. Um, it'd be nice for Manny to get it. Uh, he is, is, you know, he's suffered with the Padres long enough. Be nice for Will Myers, who's been with uh, San Diego for over seven, seven or eight years. Be nice for a lot of guys, but I just, if I had to pick an organization to root for, it'd probably be them. They drive me the least amount of nuts. I, I do respect their all in strategy on spending money. I wish every team would fucking spend two to three hundred million dollars a year on payroll. I respect that. Uh, I want players to make money. Um, I am so happy Cleveland got bounced. That's the only time I'm really happy the Yankees did anything. Although, what I wish would have happened, what I currently wish would happen is ALCS is they fly a plane into a fucking mountain. That's all I want. Um, but Padres probably my, probably the one I could stomach. Uh, Phillies thing because they're gonna go all the way. They have the devil magic. They're gonna they're gonna do it. Like I just gotta. I I'm gonna have so many bouts of just. I'm gonna have so many ulcers. I'm gonna have the worst shits of my life because of this. They, I, that's what Philly fans do. The fucking Eagles are good. God for we don't have to worry about the Flyers, but you know Seventy Sixers. That town doesn't deserve anything nice. It sucks that Boston became a city of champions. Now imagine if Philly had that. Philadelphia was a city of champions. Like World War Three should start because of that. We should nuke our own countrymen. That's what it is. We should get the same cops that uh, drop bombs on uh, on uh, on uh, marginalized community on black people's communities. That's what we should do. We should get those guys. Bring them out of retirement. I'm trying to be PC, but like let's just let's just lean into the ugly joke. Philadelphia cops in the '80s, guys. Um, they drop bombs on uh, poor black people um, be, because they wanted better housing rights. So that's the, every every great every great joke has a little bit of tragedy behind it. So that's why you shouldn't respect cops. Uh, you should instead find a beekeeper who is super about it, about it, down to fucking get, get, get it on. Uh, you should get those bees, and uh, you should wait for a sheriff to come to want to, like, evict someone. You should unleash those fucking bees on that sheriff. Um, that shit was awesome. Um, I don't know. More baseball. Um, a tweet going around about Jeff Albert, and it's pretty good. Like, um, think long and hard. What player has left here that has uh, succeeded that you can trace to as a failure of Jeff Albert? Um, a lot of people I encounter with this will bring up, you know, rookies that have you know transitioned into very solid players like Randy uh, uh, Rosa Reina or Adolis Garcia but th- that's more of a front office goof that is not a that's not an Albert goof there and didn't get any bats and didn't get any time um Carp has been on record saying he wished he embraced Albert's uh, uh Jeff Albert's um um hitting strategy so that's kind of a wash um I guess Sosa, but Sosa's kind of like a small size with Philly. I I don't know about Jeff Albert. That's the thing. 
the offense really took off, but we've had some meandering spurts. Uh, we've had philosophical differences between him and other coaches. I don't know what to feel about Jeff Albert. Um, yeah. I mean, the last few postseasons, the offense has just uh, basically tripped over its own asshole. Um, I think our last, like, five postseason games, we've only mustered, like, what, six or seven runs? It's not good. Um, but I don't know how much of that is a, is a work on his philosophy with hitting, though. Um, let's see. Let's do research here, folks. Let's just have – this is what I, what I do when I get bored. Um, let's go to fan graphs because they're very easy to use. Let's go to, uh, you know, let's just type leaders. Let's go to batting. Let's type in on Google, Jeff Albert. Uh, let's pull up when he took over for us. Because I can't remember if it was 18 or 19. When he take over after 2017. After the 2018 season. So he's been our hitting coach since 2019. How have the Cardinals been since 2019 when it comes to hitting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do live research on here. I don't give a fuck. WRC plus, good little thing. Cardinals have been tenth in the majors in terms of hitting. So Albert's philosophy has resulted in a top ten offense in terms of WRC plus. I think though that's a little weighted. Here, let's do this because we have guys with great speed. Base running runs saved. We are fifth. Let's find out something else like OPS plus or OPS. Sorry. We are 14th in OPS with 732 OPS. Number five in base running runs. Uh, Jeff Albert seems like a fine, seems like a de- decent, okay, whatever. He's, he's a hitting coach. He seems to be doing fine. Um, the patient's approach hasn't quite, we're 13th in that. That's all right. I mean, middle of the pack. We have the, in terms of strikeout percentage, that's impressive. Seventh best. Yeah, Jeff Albert's been fine he's fine let it go just let it the fuck go um yeah uh that was fun what else is going on news wise saw people talking about jeff albert uh the padres dads are, the pa- the fucking fan songs or fight songs the padres fans have been putting out i think that's why i can't root for them because it's some of the gayest shit coming from ultra like upper middle to lower upper class dads like guys with like a couple boats i don't need them getting me pumped up to sing for getting me pumped up to go to a baseball game okay going to a baseball getting pumped up and going to a baseball game is about the same level as getting pumped up and going to a wedding okay we're just here for the booze okay and hopefully see some tit that's all we want um uh, what else do we want to do? There's something else in the news, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I want to say there's something else. The Nola brother. Yeah, we saw that. Padres hung like a five spot. Uh, people bitching about the umpires. Just shut the fuck up. Your team is going to... There's hundreds, thousands of other things that occur in a game. Your team just sucks ass. Yeah. Yeah, let's get the game. Still 3-2. I mean, talk about the research we're doing uh, for the 82 episode that we're doing. I am currently slogging through April. 
I was trying to think what's probably the best way when it comes to research um, to 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 do this, and I think I'm literally pulling up a copy of the St. Louis Post Dispatch every day through this season of 1982 and reading every single thing. Um, Rick Hummel is worth every penny. He is as legendary as you would assume. And there is a staunch difference, one, in how guys wrote from the 80s and reported the news or or sports writers to today, and how athletes and managers talk to the press compared to today. It is Whitey Herzog is a lunatic. <laughs> he is he reminds me um of a very of like a very uh, uh I had I had a friend who whose dad was a farmer, so they were pretty well off and he had the confidence of a guy who just didn't need to give a fuck about anything around his sphere because that, you know, this, this sphere that he had within like 90, 90 miles all around, nothing could touch or disrupt it. Barring like an, an, you know, uh, an, uh, an act of God. Okay. And like, he had that level of confidence in all that. And he was a very funny old man, but you, you, you got that he didn't have to worry about filtering himself with anything. And Whitey is 100% within that reality. This is the 80s. And he is very open about... He will tell a player fucking he was fat, like Andy Rickle. <laughs> Uh I still got to do some research on Andy Rincon. There's a lot of guys I got to research on. Uh, Andy Rincon was... Uh, he pitched like three years for us. In 1981... In the strike shortened year, he, him and like John Martin were like our best pitchers. And Andy got hurt. Andy got hurt with, I think, um, he, he took a line drive from Phil Gardner off his elbow. And then he sat out the September run when, you know, everyone's trying to make a run for, it's, you know, playoff stretch, you know, win some games, beat out the Phillies or the Expos, who was going on them. And Keith Hernandez and Whitey Herzog had no trouble going to Rick Hummel, who I think I remember was like the head of the Baseball Writers Association at one point, and telling him that this Andy Rincon guy is fat and out of shape, didn't take care of himself, and didn't want to play. And that melted my brain because you don't – you you know you you try and protect players without letting on too much because it's a huge you know you say um, one very brutally honest tr- maybe true maybe not but one one very authentic thing you feel about someone it becomes a problem very fast it becomes you know a distraction in the eighties they don't fucking care they're like yeah. like twenty people read the post dispatch get the fuck out of here um. Whitey's hilarious, though. Uh, he uh, everything I read about him is very funny. Um, you can definitely sense, you know, what um, you get out of if you like. When I would think of Whitey Herzog, I think an incredibly like very fiery, very blunt guy. Um, I think the fiery thing is this is just you know reading the news 
uh, from that time on him. I think you know. I think it's. I he seems very genial, and like uh, he seems more um, uh, more cuddly than that. I guess uh, he's just a goofus, and it's very fun. Um, what else we got? Uh, Ryan wrote about Gary Templeton, so I have to find video of Gary Templeton grabbing his cock and then Whitey yanking him out of the game. Uh, uh, a lot of like what we've got here, you know, going through every single day on it, you find some pretty interesting shit is what you do. Um, like Ozzy Smith's salary arbitration battles, um, like him, he had a no trade clause for like having a one year contract in San Diego. And Ozzy's like, I'm, if you're going to trade me, you got to trade me someone who's going to pay me more. And he got like a $50,000 increase when he went to the cards and then he went to salary arbitration. And in salary arbitration, he asked for a staggering like, like seven hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of shit, a lot of shit at that time. Which, um, you know, let's bust out the old inflation calculator. What was Ozzy Smith? What kind of money was he asking here, baby? Uh, Papa, how much is the money worth? Will we have enough food to eat? Um, 1982, um, 750, a thousand dollars, 750,000 Krugel. He was asking for an equivalent of $2.3 million back then, uh, for a guy who literally could, could not hit his body weight. And, uh, he didn't get it. He got 450, but like Ozzy was like, ah, I was fucking with him. Zach Coyle was like, we, uh, we got the cake. I just didn't get the topping. I'm like, you learn a lot about that. It's pretty cool. Um, Joaquin Andujar, uh in Cardinals lore is pretty interesting. You know, everyone knows the one tough Dominican. I found the quote where he used that. He, at the beginning of the year, was speaking in third person. Now he's not. I don't know what's going on with this guy. He, he is wacky as shit, though. Um, my favorite thing I found on him um, – was in a game he won. Um, <laughs> uh, let me find it. Yes, here it is. It was a. Uh, uh, let me find the article. It's a game he won. I think he pitched like a shutout, and um, he he got two hits in the game, which isn't uncommon for a pitcher, but he did it from both sides of the plate, and he's he's. Calls himself a switch batter, and is like, well, he didn't. He doesn't do this all the time. He hit like left-handed against left-handed pitching, right-handed against right-handed pitching. And when they asked him about it, he says, "Oh, it's just when I feel like it." I'm like, "What a!" So it's just a guy. He's like, oh, "I'll just do something that very, like very few people are capable of. I will just do that on occasion, just when I feel. If the weather is nice, I will do it." Um, he's. We got to make him like we're we're trying to think like what main characters are we going to do about. And um, he's got to be one of them. He is, he is wacky. He is perfect. He did a shit ton of cocaine, like Pittsburgh trials level. Joaquin did a shit ton of blow. Um, other thing we're, you know, kind of examining uh, with it. Um, by the way, if anyone's on my progress, uh, Cardinals go 92 and 70, and they win the NL East by like three games, three or four games over the fucking Phillies. Um they started off the season one and three, made a lot of errors, and then they won eleven in a row, and then never didn't come close to being five hundred balls since. Um, 
So I'm in the middle of this huge 11-game winning streak. Oh, I hope everyone heard that. Uh, that was a good fart. Um, so that's where I'm at. So we're, we're getting there. Along the thing of, like, looking at all these, um, you know, articles, you know, just looking at every motherfucking post-dispatch article at the time, you learn what's going on in the world in that time. So uh, we have, like, our World at Large tab. And, you know, one thing uh, that is uh, obviously true, and if you are someone who really enjoys the politics of this pod, you will understand this way ahead of time. You have, um, you know, Reagan... Coming, you know, in the middle, yeah, I would say in the middle of the Great Recession of the, you know, of the early 80s. Recession kind of ends like in 83. Um, you have like a huge economic downturn. And during this, you have uh, heightened tensions uh, between not only the Soviet Union and the United States, uh, but mainly it's coming from the Western Hemisphere itself. So, in the late 70s, you had the Nicaraguan Revolution. Um, Nicaragua was um, run by a family dynasty. It was a dynastic uh, rule. They were dictators. And this was from as, I think, as early as the, like, 1937 to 1979. It was the Somoza. I can't say it. S-O-M-O-Z-A. That dynasty. Um, a lot of dictatorships were backed by the United States during this time, or propped up or supported. You know, I jokingly refer to Operation Condor. You know, that's also important. It's going on right here. Uh, It's ending, but it's going on. So, you know, the U.S. has backed a lot of... uh, a lot of power changes, let's say, in Central and South America, a lot of coups. Uh, one of the big ones is that um, is Argentina. Or Argentina. Um, Argentina becomes this uh, launch pad for everything else that's going to occur during the late 70s and early 80s. We stage coups in basically the entire southern cone of South America. Um, we flip power in Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, Bolivia, Peru. Uh, either we directly funded it or through more indirect means, um, more clandestine operations. We did that. Now, um, you might be thinking, well, okay, you know, coup changes, you know, getting the military involved. You know, that's pretty pretty extreme, Tom. Were we installing democratic rulers? Were we ousting authoritarian politicians? No, we really were not. Uh, you know, the most obvious one would be Chile. When uh, their democratically elected socialist president, uh, Allende, was ousted in a, in a U.S.-backed coup by Pinochet. You have Argentina's democratically elected left-wing president ousted and replaced with a military junta. You have the same thing that occurs in Bolivia and the same thing that occurs in Paraguay. This, the every single one of these are right-wing-backed dictatorships. Most of them are military dictatorships. Um, They use this as a buffer because Cuba, we got to outnumber them uh, eight to one. Cuba has, I have my criticisms of Cuba, uh, but they, 
just fucking stop being dickheads to that country. Let like oh, stop in barroom and just stop making them terrorists. Be, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. So, um, we have installed like a huge. We have um, we've installed a huge cone of anti-communist influences and, and institutions since beginning in like the early fifties up until now, and Nicaragua flips. They oust a U.S.-backed dynasty uh, in uh, the Somoza dynasty, and they have the Sandinistas, the FSLN. Um, they take power. They're a Marxist-Leninist group. Now, I've um, personal opinions of Marxism-Leninism. Uh, I think the people I represent it are genuinely some of the most insufferable fucking people uh, in the world. I. <laughs> I, I get, I get it. We've all read theory. It's fun, um, but these people I engage with basically are, uh, how would I put it? Um, they're a cab until they get their own power. Uh, Marxist, Leninist. Anytime I interact with them, they just want to play cops. Uh, a lot of larping. But anyway, uh, the tenets of it is you have Vanguard Party. They take power and you, you transition to a democratic society. Um, where, you know, um, it, it, more complicated than that, obviously. You, you, you eliminate the, uh, you know, the, the tendril. You cut off the tendrils of capital. You know, it's, you know, worker-owned type of stuff. You know, the, that shit. The gay stuff. No one, the fucking gay shit of communism. We need to talk more about the nationalization redistribution of pussy. But no, we got to talk about labor. We got to talk about commodity. We got to talk about who owns what. I think everyone should own pussy. Men should have pussies. Women should have pussies. Kids should have pussies. Install pussies for everyone. Fucking spread it out. Redistribute it. Give everyone a big honking snatch. And this is how we spread the truth about communism. Anyway, so... A lot of Marxist Leninist states usually kind of skip the democratic transition process. Or when they do set it up, hence like Cuba, it is a one party state. So there's no variety. I believe the, the political ideology I like and support should be able to stand up against anything. It should, their institutions uh, should be able to stand up uh, against whether it's, um, you know, social democracy or liberalism. Or, God forbid, um, centrism. No, there's no room for fascism. You know, we 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 put them in the ball pit. But you know, you sh your institute, your political institutions should be able to hold strong um, against that. It, it people should people deserve the freedom of choice in that. Um, I gotta give Nicaragua some credit. There will be an asterisk at this. They do successfully do that. Uh, Sandinistas. Uh, this falls underneath the category of not good, but I understand. You know, after taking power in the late 70s, they do their typical, you know, people disappear type of thing um, or get shot. It's bad. We get it. Um, but once they kind of stabilize power and engage in fighting illiteracy and redistributing land um, to the campesinos, there's some controversy with that. Uh, but, you know, gist of it is, uh, you know, communist group takes over. They start doing the communist thing. They start trying to serve at the behest of of of, of the proletariat. Now, um, they hold elections in '86, 
somewhat controversial, but mostly good. Sandinistas win. No, sorry, in 84, they hold elections in 84. And then in 1990, they hold national elections, and they lose to a liberal party. And they actually successfully ceded power to them. Uh, the guy who's been with them the, since the uh, formation, since the, since their successful takeover, is Daniel Ortega. Uh, early on, kind of cool guy. Lately, not a cool guy. The Sandinistas, the FSLN, have power now. And they're beating the shit out of people and establishing martial law, basically, in Nicaragua, which isn't good. That's the asterisk I'm talking about. So early on, Sandinistas, good job. Um, anyway. Now you have that history lesson that scares the shit out of the United States. So El Salvador delves into the Civil War, which is ongoing um, while the time we're writing this. It is in all the post-dispatch at some point. Um, so we're backing um, uh, the military government in their fight against the, I think, FMLN during that time. This is also in the 80s while Nicaragua is engaged in the Contra War when we're we're backing the Contras and their death squads. That's fun. And, you know, they terrorize people. We got to undermine any kind of left-wing organization or or uh, political institution whenever we see fit. Um, in addition to that, uh, the occasional article on uh, embargoing Cuba, like cutting off all visits there unless it's for family reunification or academia, the interesting one, and I know this is a weird history aside that we've been on, but it's just fun reading this stuff. Uh, Argentina goes to war with Great Britain over the Falkland Islands War. So Argentina, Falkland Islands and South Georgia are right next to Argentina. They're right off the Patagonia uh, coast. Should be their lands, right? Argentina is ruled by a military dictatorship. They decide we want that shit, so they invade it. And Great Britain decides you're not going to have it, so we have a war. I hate the Falkland Islands War because it deifies Margaret fucking Thatcher. But here we are, nonetheless. Um, U.S. has to make a choice. We must choose between our longest ally in Great Britain or uh, the people we are literally giving money to to supply weapons and bases and death squads to, uh, to kill and disappear uh, left-wing dissidents. And if you... Argentina's own thing's called the Dirty War. And after... Falkland Islands War is going to basically end this military junta, and Argentina's going to transition to a democratic society. They will actually hold trials and jail uh, a lot of leaders that participated in their Dirty War as part of Operation Condor. They will grant amnesty to a lot of people because the military still controls shit. So they, um, at least, yay, some justice. Um, but we side with Great Britain in terms of trying to figure out a broker peace. And uh, Great Britain eventually stomps uh, Argentina. They dissolve, and Operation Condor, while conducted through other means, kind of mostly ends, kind of, um, Argentina... Uh, we basically sever um, um, a lot of, uh, I guess, aid. It was just like the operations we would conduct with them, um, whether it would be sending uh, <laughs> sending uh, soldiers to Honduras or El Salvador. Um, that would kind of end. 
So anyway, that's kind of like the interesting thing, uh, just reading about what's going on. Um, the research on it's pretty in-depth. I'm not sure how much we're going to throw into it. I mean, it is going to be about a baseball team, but I think, like, obviously, like, you know, we're, we're sticking to sports is kind of a silly thing that gets said to athletes all the time. I think uh, you shouldn't have to. You can talk about other things uh, that interest you. Um, and so I'm, you know, trying to find, you know, what's the through line here with baseball, Cardinals baseball, but, you know, baseball in 1982 and the world at large uh, to begin with. What what do they share in common? You know, what are what are the parallels you can draw from it? So, I don't know, it'll be big, so we'll write and record it. It's kind of why, why I haven't been posting on the website. So if you guys are like, where's uh, Sunday Funny Sunday or this? Uh, it is still very active. So it's just spending a shit ton of time reading about us supporting death squads, fucking killing people, and Keith Hernandez calling a teammate fat, out of shape, and smell and reeks with body odor. So I don't know. Anyway, <sighs> fuck the Astros Yankees. What's the score now, folks? What is? What is going on? Still 3-2. I think he, Astros are going to take this in five. <sighs> Their bullpen's so good. Their starting pitching is absolutely insane, with, especially with Christian Javier. Um, but they're going to... like You're just kind of f- turbo-fucked once you get past the six with these guys. Astros are going to kick the shit out of the Yankees. I guess I can try and enjoy that. I don't know. Um... I don't know. Trevor Bauer. I just want to say his name so everyone get upset. Because he sucks. But I don't know. We made it near an hour. We're over 15 minutes. Good job, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Um, boys will be back. They're just busy. We're all busy. It's tiring. Quit your job. Fuck your job. Your job is preventing you from living the most fulfilling life. Your best life. You know, your miseration, you know, your lack of getting pussy, it can all be traced back to what you had, the the system we set up that makes you do what you have to do to survive, to pay your rent, to pay for groceries. You have to go and work in the mine. You have to go to the shit factory. Time to punch in for that 10-hour shit factory job. And I know it sucks, and I love you for it. You're you're brave. You're a miracle in itself. Keep fighting. Or whatever. I don't know. Or kill yourself. I don't care. No, don't kill yourself. You got you're too good for that. Unless you're like a Nazi. Unless you're Hitler, you know, if you're a fascist and you know. Change your views, but if you're dead set on those views and you know, it's you can make a lot of people happy if you Jump in front of a truck. Just saying. Anyway, uh, ALCS, NLCS, fuck all these teams. I'm going to root for Harrison Bader. Yeah, just, uh, you know, root for Carpenter and Bader. We'll do that. We can do that. Um, check out the fucking Patreon. Give us money so we don't have to do this. Please. We hate working. We all hate working. Working class solidarity. When we get so rich, we'll buy our own country and go live there. It'll just be baseball, and everyone will have their own pre-installed pussy. 
we can all play with. We all share everything. We live in the most perfect commune until we have to decide who takes out the trash. Am I right? Bad times are fucking bourgeois restrictions. They are oppressive systems. I'm an anarchist now. I will not go to bed without eating eating my vegetables. Oh. Anyway, uh, we love you all. Thank you for listening to this. Um, fuck the Astros, Yankees, Phillies, and Padres. And uh, most importantly, fuck you.